The book is really, it's called Her Last Affair. It's set primarily at an abandoned drive-in movie theater. And it tells us sort of three separate characters, all grappling with some issue around love. I should say seemingly separate because about halfway through the book, their stories collide. And that's when it ratchets up and becomes less a character study and more of a thriller in the second half of the book. Welcome back to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, everybody. Hi. All right. We know that you are wondering what to read this summer. TikTok has become the ultimate authority, turning books into instant bestsellers. Scroll through hashtag book talk and you'll find a black hole of videos of bookfluencers who knew that was a thing talking about their favorite picks. But team OTG wants to save you the endless scroll. That's why we launched our new summer book club series where we share the hottest books worthy of your beach bag and introduce you to the amazing authors. Okay, so this week's special guest is New York Times bestselling author John Searles, who happens to be an old friend. We were both Cosmo editors. He was the books editor there for like, among other roles, for like 23 years. And he's also got four big deal books under his belt. The first was Boy Still Missing. The second was Strange But True. Then Help for the Haunted and his latest, Her Last Affair. So all of his novels are thrilling page turners, which meet with all kinds of critical acclaim. The New York Times calls his work riveting. Entertainment Weekly says his writing is hypnotic. And he's even been named a person to watch by Time magazine. We're here today to talk about his most recent hit, Her Last Affair, which was People magazine's best new book pick and an OTG must read. I actually got a babysitter so I could be left alone to finish this book. It is a really intense, intricately woven tale of heartbreak, retribution, and redemption. So listen to this show today. If you're not on TikTok, so you have absolutely no idea what to read, we got you. You love a good thriller that dares you to put it down. You're curious about how writers make this crazy stuff up. You like to be read to. We're going to try to convince John to give us a little expert, even though I kind of know he doesn't love to read his own work aloud. <laughs> so welcome, John. Thank you, Megan. Hey, Thanks for having me, everybody. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. So we're very excited to have you for our new summer book club. I am totally not into the hashtag book talk craze, much to my own publisher's dismay. So <laughs> I always need good reading recs. And Her Last Affair was a page turner. One of the few books like that I actually got through, couldn't put down and was like absolutely obsessed with. I'm honored. Thank you. I'm very honored. I know you're a busy girl. I I like literally got a babysitter. It was one of my Mother's Day requests. I just want a babysitter and time alone to finish my damn book. (laughs) I feel like I should have paid for your babysitter. Megan, thank you. (laughs) Can I Venmo you some money for the babysitter? (laughs) But okay, so before we get into the meat of your latest thriller, I just want to talk social media for a hot second because our whole show, the whole thing is off the gram, taking things that are on the gram and doing a deeper dive off the gram. This is your fourth book. So your first Voice Still Missing came out in 2005 when TikTok and Instagram weren't a thing. So how has social media influenced the way audiences find and consume books and impacted you as an author? Well, it puts a lot of power in the author's hands, I find, because I can really connect with other writers. I can connect with readers. It helps me. I'm not one of those people who hate social media. Like, you know, 
yes, there are days where I need a break or I don't want to be on it or things. I look at people's posts and I cringe. <laughs> like we all have that. I don't like feet posts. Why do people always post their feet? Sorry, this is my thing. But as a writer, I get to communicate with readers. Like people send me notes. I'm on vacation. I'm reading your book. I love it. And it's fantastic. So I, I found it just to be really helpful as a writer in terms of the publishing process and, and communicating and staying in touch with your readers. I love my readers. So, and I'm on Instagram mainly. It's just my name at John Searles. Twitter, I'm a little bit lax. It's at Searles Books. And then on Facebook, I have an author's page, which, you know, I, I keep in touch with everyone there too. So are you TikToking? Because like the whole book talk thing, I mean, it was a massive New York Times articles about it. It's like, it's, it's a big deal in the book world. I have a book talk page just at Searles Books and I've just dabbled a bit. I don't like to do things unless I'm doing them really well. So I'm just kind of surveying (laughs) territory right now, (laughs) but I posted some videos of my dog and a few other things. And some, also I did some really great videos about this book because it's set in an old rundown abandoned drive-in movie theater primarily. So it's this very eerie setting. So we did some great book trailers and I posted them on my book talk. Too. Wait, I remember this though. One of them had a knife and it got pulled down, right? Wasn't there one of your... Oh yes, that one. Right? <laughs> well, authors do this thing where they post videos of, you know, when your publisher ships you your books, it's such an exciting moment for an author. You know this, Megan. Yes. Written, you know, book. so you tear them open and a lot of authors have started posting videos of that moment. And sometimes it's a little awkward Guilty. because they're I like, yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, how can I make it really fun? So I took a butcher knife and put scary music over. I think it was my first foray into TikTok, you know, and I'm like stabbing the box until it opens and I rip out a copy of Her Last Affair. And TikTok, yeah, took it down. They said it was too violent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm banned by TikTok. (laughs) TikTok notwithstanding, it seems like a lot of people are finding your new book anyway. And the reviews are stellar. Her last affair has been called, quote, eerie and captivating. As these three characters driven by heartbreak and romantic longing collide, there are all kinds of startling surprises in store, end quote. Can you summarize this? really amazing summer book read for our listeners in your own words. Of course. Can you, can you both just follow me around and say all these nice things all the time? <laughs> it would do wonders for my spirit. The book is really, it's called Her Last Affair. It's set primarily at an abandoned drive-in movie theater, as I said. And it tells a story of three separate characters all grappling with some issue around love. I should say seemingly separate because about halfway through the book, their stories collide. And that's when it ratchets up and becomes less a character study and more of a thriller in the second half of the book. And in terms of tone, it's really a genre hybrid. They call it, it's a little bit thriller, a little bit character study. There's some dark humor. If you think of a movie like Fargo, like this guy was interviewing me for Newsday, I believe. And he said it reminded him of the tone of Fargo, which is sinister plot twist, really oddball eccentric characters, moments of really dark humor, and then poignant moments too. And it was the ultimate compliment for me because that's what I was going for. Because I think life has all of those moods and moments. And I wanted the book to feel like a mix of that. So you create these the convincingly desperate, isolated people who would do anything to feel love. But in your own life, like I know you've been in a happy relationship for many, many years and you were a Cosmo editor. So you've written and ended, you know, edited endless, you know, articles about relationships. So these characters are pretty wacky and twisted. Like what was the inspiration for this? Are these real life people or is this just all made up? Well, 
my sister once gave me a t-shirt that said careful or you'll end up in my novel (laughs) (laughs) so there's a little bit of real life to all of them and think it's just things I've seen things I've noted I don't really keep a notebook of ooh on January 10th Megan said this to me I'm going to use it in my book it's not like that it's just kind of things I hear about and I Megan I don't know if you remember this we once ran a tip in Cosmo 100 years ago it was like if you have a really boring how we met story with your boyfriend or girlfriend just you can cure that by just adding the words in Paris at the end. So like, say like we met at the pharmacy buying underarm deodorant in Paris. It's so much better. Just add in Paris. So it's kind of amazing. That's an amazing tip. (laughs) And so I wanted all the characters in this book because it's all three very different characters, all grappling with love. And I wanted each of them to have a really unique how we met story. So one woman, she's now just turning 50. She's an empty nester. And uh, this photo surfaces online from her youth that at the time seemed kind of harmless, but it gets blown up and she's a school teacher. She loses her job. Her marriage is boring. She, her daughter's gone overseas for school. And so she lacks any excitement. And one morning she gets a Facebook message of all things, speaking of social media, from her very first love, a guy she loved when they were teenagers. And he says, I've been thinking about you for 30 years and I've never forgotten you. And she doesn't want to have an affair, but it's the one source of joy and excitement in her life. And, you know, I guess that I would say comes from Cosmo, like the way they met, they were both worked at Disney together as characters. And we used to do stories like that about young women who worked at Disney being like princess and all these things. And so I kind of had fun poking, you know, fun at the whole thing. But each of the characters meets in a really unusual way. And then they reconnect with their past. Like many years have gone by, but this character who has this online affair agrees to go see this man again, who she once loved after so many years. And so I think, I don't know, a lot of people get to a certain point in life. And you think about the pandemic, so many people were reconnecting with people from their past during such a dark time. And I thought that was really interesting to me that when the world got so dark with the beginning of the pandemic, people's instinct were to reach way back in their lives and reconnect with someone they once loved or someone who even just not even romantically, but held such a special place in their life. If that makes sense. So were you writing this? Were you finishing or writing this during that pandemic lockdown time? Yes, frame? I was. I had started it before, but our apartment in New York City burned down <laughs> at the hands of an arsonist, which I will just tell really quickly is a crazy story. There was a guy a few doors down. We live in the village. He, I used to have a, na- a nickname for him, Dateline Investigates, because I said to Thomas, my husband, someday he will be on Dateline Investigates because he and his girlfriend would fight all the time. I would hear them through the wall like, Alexa, call 911. No, Alexa, don't call 911. I'm like, you can't, you can't call 911 yourself. You have to have Alexa do it. And one day she caught him with someone else is what I'm told. And she went back into the apartment, into his apartment, slashed all his furniture, set his clothes on fire and in the process burned our apartment down too. So I was in the middle of writing this book, but if one thing will set you back when you're writing a book, it's your house burning down. So we had just moved. <laughs> we had, I'm laughing now, but it was not, oh, funny, not at funny at the time. Well, and that was, that's been your home for a mil- That was your home forever, right? Yes. It was our home forever. And so yeah, you know, these things happen. She fled the country, as you do when you commit arson. <laughs> Wait, but that has to be your next book. Like, that is that fodder for the next book? Because that's pretty insane story. Yeah, it'll come in. And, you know, there's actually a fire at the end of this book, too. So there, that, I think, worked its way in as well. And you, I never really plan how things will come out. 
you know, what, where, when I'm writing, but of course that experience impacted me so much that I'm sure at some point it will come out in a piece of writing. But anyway, so I was writing it during the pandemic as well, because I and you, of, did you, you, I'm sorry to say you, I think you also lost your father during. Yes. He, my poor dad, he was, you know, my dad was a cross country truck driver. I always tell people my parents, when I was a kid would send me trucking to quote, make a man out of me. That was their mission. <laughs> I don't think they got the results they wanted. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a manly enough as they would have hoped, especially living in the West village with my husband and our little golden <laughs> doodle. <laughs> I don't think that was their goal. But anyway, I love my dad and he loved me and he was a Harley riding guy and just on a one night on a motorcycle accident on a Harley and it was really devastating heartbreaking and I was writing the book during that time too and writing her last affair became a real escape for me from a lot of pain in my life with the fire with the loss of my dad other things that were going on and so I would just escape into the world of these characters and the main character is this woman Skyla Hull who ran this old drive-in movie theater with her husband for 50 years. And on the few nights before their golden anniversary, he dies in a freak, mysterious accident in the woods out behind the drive-in. And that's really the kind of one of the central mysteries of the book. And she takes in a tenant and she forms a real attachment to this tenant who's a charming British man named Teddy Cornwell. And so there's, as I said, three separate characters. And I wanted to do this thing because I realized it's, I wanted the book to be fun for readers and kind of a puzzle piece, but I knew that at first it's going to feel really separate. So I had this idea to give it a cohesion of starting each chapter with a quote from a film that once played at the old drive-in. So each quote acts as like a clue to the mystery of the chapter ahead and what's going on in the book. And it also gives like an overarching, it's kind of my way of saying to the reader, trust me, this is all part of one thing. And some of the quotes are like classics, like Casablanca or Mildred Pierce. Some are more sinister fare, like The Shining and Psycho, which give it a real scary <laughs> feel. And some are like forgotten 80s fluff, like Mannequin or Cannonball Run. Or oh my gosh, movies. Mannequin. When I read that quote, I'm like, oh my God, Mannequin. <laughs> I know, I love Mannequin. See, I love all those movies too. And it was so fun, Megan, when I was writing Her Last Affair, to spend time finding the perfect quotes that matched each chapter with what was going on in the book and everything. So it was just, it was so much fun and an escape from a lot of stuff. Does this old theater actually exist? We we interviewed a historical fiction writer, Lasho, and she, like the places that she writes about actually existed and she does all this research. Is this in your head or did this old abandoned theater exist? Well, the theater I mentioned in the book is not an actual theater, but it's inspired by a real theater because whenever I go home to see my mom, I pass an abandoned drive-in movie theater. That's how I got the idea for the setting. And where I, is it? It's called the, we have a house out in, where I am right now, out in Sag Harbor. And when I go, I grew up in Connecticut, a little town in Connecticut. So I take the ferry from- I'm like a that. Connecticut girl. Are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> Moving back next week. Oh, you are? Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. So I passed the Rocky Point Drive-In Movie Theater, which is kind of in the middle of Long Island. And it's closed now, but the sign is still there. It's so all overgrown and abandoned. I asked because I shot a movie there when I was in my acting days. At the like, Rocky Point? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Wait, was it abandoned then or was it Yes, it was like 10 years ago. I'm oh, so do you have pictures of that time? You have to send me some pictures. I do. I will send them to you. I do Please have pictures. Do. So you know what I mean that it has this ear. Was it a, like a scary, like a horror movie? It I was. Mean, <laughs> yes. See, I'm not surprised. Wait, well, Heidi, what was the movie? So we can Google it up. You know, it was actually channel. the first movie Apple ever did. It was the test movie for iMovie, for not for iMovie, for iTunes when they started movies. I think they wound up calling it. 
supposed to be called Mother's Day Massacre, and I think they called it Hot Baby. <laughs> Hot baby. Oh my god! But do you get killed in it? That is a good movie. question. I don't even. I know. I oh well. I yeah. I know. I do day. not get killed. I do kill okay. it. No, okay. I'm not the bad guy or the evil person, but I. Okay, so now that we're talking movies, because I had my <laughs> I knew John when moment when they made your so they made Strange But True into a movie and it starred like Amy Ryan, Greg Kinnear, and Blythe Danner. I have my copy of that book signed on my bookshelf. Oh, and I'm like, I know him, and it's a movie. What the heck was that like? And is that gonna happen for this last affair, her last affair? Well, too? Megan, I have to say, I always remember at Cosmo, first of all you were clearly going places because you're so incredibly talented and such an incredible editor. And I I would see you in the green room at the Today Show all the time and you're such infectious enthusiasm and energy. And so congratulations. She's electric. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. No, I mean it. But I always remember how wonderful you were when I wrote that book, Strange But True, because you said, John, I read that book. I loved it. You were really just excited about it. And it really meant a lot because sometimes you you know, you write these books, you put them out into the world and you don't know how people are going to react. So I always remember that. So thank you. I was, I was so like, I was like a little kid at Cosmo, really. It was like one of my first big jobs as a senior editor. And I mean, I didn't know any authors between you and Kate White. I was like, wow, these guys they write books and we're going to go to Barnes and Noble and they're going to sign it for me. Like it was such a big deal. Oh, thank you. It was a big deal for me too. It's like, I didn't grow up around that sort of thing. You know, for me, I always wanted to be a writer and I dreamed of it, but I didn't know how. And then I think you know this about me. Sadly, I had a sister who died very tragically after her high school prom. And when that happened, I just had that moment of life is short. I was in my 20s and I just thought, I don't, I always want to be a writer. I'm just going to figure it out because we're all going to be gone someday and I want to do what I'm going to do. So I moved to the city in my dad's tractor trailer, by the way, he was bringing a shipment of something in. And I just waited tables for a very long time and just started writing books and made it happen. So I appreciate you saying it was a big deal because it was for me too. But in terms of the movie it was so much fun. So it's streaming on HBO Max. Now I tell people read the book first because I, I do say so myself, I like the book better, but I do, <laughs> I am really honored that the movie was made and there are so many incredible scenes, such an incredible cast and so much love went into the movie. And you know, it also starts Margaret Qualley and Nick Robinson from Netflix's Made. It stars Brian Cox from Succession, Amy Ryan from Only Murders in the Building, who's become well, a real and friend. And she also was on The Office. So I, like, I'm like, Amy Ryan from The Office. Yeah. <laughs> she, she and I became pals, which has been really nice. I, I really adore her so much. She's just wonderful. But I have a cameo in the movie, which I will tell a quick funny story about. My Thomas and I were driving on the LA, Long Island Expressway, and I got some call. I didn't answer. It looked like a robocall. And I picked up. I mean, not to pick up, I played the message afterwards and they said, oh, we're calling from this, the wardrobe department on the set of your movie. I was like, well, well who, who ever gets a call like that? Usually my calls are not like that. But um, I, they said, we, we want to call in clothing for you for your scene. You're shooting a scene with Amy Ryan as your cameo in the background. So I said, well, what's the, what am I playing? And they said, you're playing the part of an author speaking at a library. I said, you do not need to call in clothing. That is my entire wardrobe. That's all I do. And so they said, all right, well, bring up a bunch of clothes and a suitcase. They were shooting in Toronto. So I was at the magazine with that Cosmo and I left to go to the airport, went straight to the set. When I got there, they went through my suitcase picked out this light blue sweater that I put on and right before I was about to shoot the scene in the library the wardrobe supervisor said can I talk to you she pulled me into the bookshelves and said it's about your nipples they're really aggressive <laughs> <laughs> I was like what 
quickly covered my chest. I think all my years at Cosmo came back. You're like, I'm a Cosmo girl. We don't blush. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But so she said, I have to tape them. And she made me lift my shirt and tape my nipples. And Amy Ryan said to me, you fell for that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I, I'm in the background toward the end of the movie. Like, I don't think you would ever see my aggressive nipples, even had they not taped them. But it was so much fun to do. And then afterwards, when the... But you know what? Somebody could have freeze-framed it and zoomed in and posted it all over the internet, like those foot pictures you're they, talking exactly, about. So there you you're go. right. Good point. <laughs> very, very good point. You're right. So anyway, it was, it was so much fun to write a book and then to show up. And like, you know, there's a teenage girl who's pregnant in the movie and... I arrive on the set and Margaret Qualley walks by like, you know, pregnant, not really pregnant, but like stuffing in her belly. And I'm like, oh my goodness, these are my characters and they're all walking around. It was really, really an incredible experience and so much fun. And it was just such an honor. And in terms of her last affair, it does, I always think that really great writing is really visual. Like all good writing is visual. And so I hope that people find this book to be cinematic and visual. And I hope that a screenwriter or a producer, you know, will be interested. I found myself wanting to see the characters. I wanted to see what that needle looked like in her little nurse nurse outfit. Like, I'm like, what does she look like? Yeah. I I vote vote movie too. (laughs) Exactly. Well, from your lips to Hollywood producers' ears. So let's see. You know, I, I've had meetings and nibbles and interests and, and all of that. And my agent, my film agent, is a great guy at CAA. He meets with people and pitches it and, and we'll see. So it took, you know, it took Strange But True many, many years to get made, but it did get made. It was a kid who was in the, a young man who was in the first meeting when they purchased this film company, purchased it, then the company disbanded, but he always held on to it. And he would come to my book events and he'd say, I want to make two movies someday. One is Strange But True. And the other is a musical about two kids in LA. And I thought that is never going to happen. Well, it's called La La Land and it did happen. (laughs) And Amazing. It was really successful. And then after that happened, he made Strange But True and very successful producer to this day. So it's been a wild ride, ladies. Amazing and incredible, yeah, right? It's been fun. Thank you. Okay, so like Heidi's gone. John, I would love you to read to us. All right. Are you ready? Are you doing this now? Yes, We're doing this. Do now. it. Okay. Do it. Go, All go, right. go, go. So I'm reading from her last affair. I'm going to read it's three different characters, and this is the start of the second chapter. We meet a woman named Linnell who lives in Florida with her husband. It gets a little sexual, everyone. So uh, I don't know if you're offended by human beings having any sex, you should stop listening now. (laughs) I've become so, like, after being a Cosmo editor for four or five years, like, I'm so numb. Like, I'm like, oh, that was risky, risque. I don't, like, oh. Megan, it's the same way. Like, I was on book tour and, like, talking about the Cosmo Kama Sutra, like, at an event. And people weren't laughing. And my friend said to me, well, when you were in the Castro two nights before making the same jokes, it worked. But here in like whatever conservative town we were, people were not interested. So I wrote one of those. I wrote the Aqua Sutra. That was one of the books I oh, wrote yes, for Cosmo. Right. Yeah. We don't mention that on any of my author credits and what, like some of the books. I did Naughty Notes to Leave Your Guy, Aqua oh, Sutra. Yeah. Do you yeah. have it by your pool? You don't have the Aqua Sutra <laughs> by your pool? <laughs> no, I think my three kids would be like, what? Yeah, exactly. So. Ready, everybody. This is this is one of my favorite characters of the book because I think I think a lot of us who might be in like a stale marriage could relate to her a bit. 
So John's going to read us a little, a little teaser of her character that I know will leave you wanting more. So this is from Her Last Affair. On the night her marriage falls apart, Linnell DeFort spends nearly half an hour attempting to take a flattering picture of, to put it bluntly, her crotch. Two, two hours if you consider the time devoted to simply contemplating the idea while lying in bed beside her husband, watching one of those shamelessly manipulative news series that poses as hard-hitting investigative journalism. Though really, it's just an excuse to string viewers along, teasing the reveal of the killer's identity between Cialis and Boniva commercials. <laughs> it's obvious the wife did it, her husband Marcus keeps saying. Look at her squinting. Look at her constant blinking. She's clearly a total psycho. Case closed. Boom. Just that fall, he'd acquired the habit of punctuating sentences with the same final burst of a word. At first, he'd made certain declarative things he said more declarative, but it's since devolved into him, quote, booming, even after the most innocuous comments. Gonna nuke that leftover pizza in the microwave. Boom. This dude who came into the bank asked if I'm still in my 30s. Boom. Got a request to show the 67 at the Tallahassee car show this weekend. Boom. On and on these explosions go. If Linnell were some poor, defenseless country, she imagines he'd have reduced her to rubble by now. And anyway, try as she might, Linnell cannot focus on that show since her gaze keeps gravitating to the alarm clock on the nightstand. 10.53 p.m., speeding steadily closer to midnight. That's the magic hour when she promised to send a picture of her privates to a man from her past. This man, Teddy Cornwell, turned up Thanksgiving morning with a simple Facebook message. I've been thinking about you for years, Linnell. And with her full participation, things escalated online deep into December, culminating in a flurry of heated messages and a deal struck in a moment of unbridled lust the evening before. Tomorrow at midnight, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> when Marcus fails to fall asleep, even after the credits flash on the screen and a relic of a sitcom comes on, Linnell's insides royal with a mix of despair and relief that she might not be able to keep her end of the bargain. Years ago, she used to strap her daughter, Georgia, in a car seat and drive around the neighborhood until the girl passed out. Now, Linnell fantasizes about using the same trick on Marcus. Since strapping all five feet, nine inches and 193 pounds of him in a car seat is unlikely, however, she keeps right on watching his belly rise and fall beneath the sheets while stealing glances at those glowing numbers, 1111, 1118, 1121. Between that initial sweet message from Teddy and the more recent raunchier one, there'd been plenty of respectable communication. In the beginning, they left with abandon into memories of the summer they met working at a certain Orlando theme park. All the back and forth made that time in their lives feel so palpable, it seemed they could walk right back into it, punch their time cards, and there they'd be making out behind Space Mountain. What followed was a sobering phase of catching each other up on life since, their marriages and Teddy's divorce, their children, their successes and failures, and all the many ways things did not turn out how they once envisioned. When that line of conversation risked becoming melancholy, they retreated into a second round of nostalgia, firing off old photos. Finally, since Linnell's Facebook profile was a picture of Lollipop, her recently deceased cat, and Teddy had only a distant shot of him surfing years before, the notion of sending each other more current pictures was raised. That's when Linnell nervously tapped out a message warning him she did not look the same as way back when. And that's when Teddy messaged back saying he most definitely did not look the same either. 
Then he suggested they take it slow and, in something of a joke, sent a photo of his thumb. Slow was just fine by Linnell, who sent a photo of her thumb in return. This game, like a hostage trade-off, only fun and flirty, which hostage trade-offs presumably never are, kept them busy for weeks. His knees for her knees, her ears for his ears, his belly button for her belly button. On it went until they'd exposed every inch of their bodies except their faces and R-rated nether regions. And that's how Linnell came to be lying beside her husband on this night close to Christmas, watching his belly go up and down, watching the clock too. 11.24, 11.27, 11.35. At last, Marcus flops onto one side and goes night-night. Ever so quietly, Linnell picks up her cell and eases out of bed and slips away down the hall. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Yes. And it gets a little risque from there, but it's really the only part of the book. Like I said, my mother said, is this going to be 50 shades of gray? But it gets a little, you know, part of it is Linnell has been in a kind of a very boring marriage for many years. And this is the way people sort of flirt now. We're sending pictures back and forth online. She's just not used to it. It's really she, when she was dating back in the 90s, it was not what people did or send crotch shots of each other and things Thank like you. that. <laughs> You'd have to like go to the drug drugstore and process the crotch shot yeah. and then like put it in a, net, in a snail mail with a stamp. And by then you'd hopefully have a better thought and not do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you'd, you'd realize you'd come to your senses and yeah, not do it. But anyway, it was so much fun to write. And it's so much fun to chat with you, Megan. And I'm so just again, so impressed with all your success and all your all you do with these brands, my gosh, and just all the enthusiasm you bring to everything. So. Yeah, well, I'm so proud. I feel like I've gotten I've worked with so many like smart, amazing people, like even just think about some of the people that we worked with, like even Jessica Knowles, like we've had like some of the magazine editors have become like just such rock stars. It's, I, I feel so proud. <laughs> That's how I feel too. You know, I had, I had many assistants and they all wanted to be writers, most all. And I always encouraged them, but Jessica, when she was my assistant, I just knew she was going to do it. And, and I'm so proud of her and all she's done. And all of my assistants, I feel like a proud papa really when I see right? them or talk to them and some write me now, they're writing books too. And I hope, you know, they'll publish their books and I'm I'm always encouraging. It was a it Cosmo was a really unusual place. Like it seemed a lot of the content seemed very kind of silly and outlandish, but it was so many smart women, so much fun at the same time. And everybody took the job really seriously. And there was more than just the sex articles and the relationship articles. There were so many really quality pieces of advice in that magazine at the time. It was a fun place to work. I always credit. So like I, the article, I, I wrote an article there called The Seven Secrets of Happiness, was which was transformational for me. It was the first time I sort of delved into the field of positive psychology and realized that like you could choose to do happy and it didn't have to be this passive state of being. And, and Isabel Burton was my editor on that story. And it Don't was, you talk about that in your book? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Game yeah. changer for me. Totally yeah. game changer for me. I can see why. Okay. So we always end our shows with something called karma call and I say it. And then Heidi explains that uh, karma is the Sanskrit word for action and because she's a yogi and all the things. And then we say like, what is one action that our listeners could take that would have a positive impact on their lives? I always just think be kind to people and listen to people. I'm such a listener and I'm always so curious about people and, you know, people friends in my life Thomas included are like please do you have to talk to everyone <laughs> like I get yeah I get gas I was with my friend at book tour and I just she said we stopped at the gas station she said please 
when you get out, don't talk to people. <laughs> like, I'm the same you, way. Maybe that's kidding? just a kooky writer thing because I always feel like I'm collecting ideas and people. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just so fascinated. Yeah, I'm just curious about people. And so I'm curious about people and I'm just, I just always try to be kind when I can, you know, which is not that hard to do. And it seems to change most situations. You know, what's funny is we, I met this woman in Sag Harbor last summer. I was on a walk and then we just started talking and then she invited us. They had a boat. She invited us one day and someone else on the boat said, how long have you and John known each other? You're like old friend. She said, she said, oh, we just met the other day. She said, but I saw John's face and I knew we had to be friends. And Thomas, my husband said, yeah, he gets that all the time. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets that all the time. Oh and God. I do. So I, I would just say that. I don't know if that's a boring answer, but it's. No, I, I love it. Oh, be kind yeah. when you can. Okay. Yeah. So before I let you go, can you tell us where our listeners can find you on the gram and what is next for her last affair and you? Well, I'm, it's my name at John Searles. And my, so it's J-O-H-N-S-E-A-R-L-E-S. And I love people follow me, of course. And, uh, you know, I post funny things from my life and events I'm doing. And I just did a summer book segment on the Today Show where I talked about my favorite books of the summer and her last affair. I'm working on a new book now, about 40 pages in, having fun with it. Her last affair will be out in paperback next year. So I'll be on tour for that now. And I have, you know, I'm always doing events so like this with you but then also public events like I'm going to Michigan to do a big library fundraiser I'm going to Worcester Mass to do a big library fundraiser I here in Sag Harbor I'm doing something out on Shelter Island at the Ramshead Inn I list the events on my website which is johnsorrells.com and I post about them on my Facebook author page which is at John Sorrells so yeah I'd be happy if people followed me and I'm working on a new book. And um, can you give us a little hint of like what, I mean, obviously it's a thriller, I hope. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is I don't even think of my, thank you. I don't think of my books as technical thrillers because they're so character driven, but I guess they do get classified as thrillers, but yes, it plays on a, I will play, tell you this. It plays on a dark classic, a very famous dark classic novel, but it's kind of a modern version of it. So, but I'm early on, so I don't have my soundbite yet, but I'm having a lot of fun writing it, which is a good sign because I once wrote a book that I abandoned and every time I was working on it, I would, Thomas would come home, I'd be asleep on the couch with my laptop. And I'm like, that's a bad sign if you're the writer and you're falling asleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I put, I threw that book away. <laughs> so this one, I can't stop writing it. Like I keep waking up during the night and working on it. And I kind of have this like feverish obsession with it right now, which is a good sign. So Yay. thank you. Well, we were so great to have you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. So I don't do the outro as good as Jamie and Heidi, and they, they'll tease me for this later. But, like, I think you can listen to this wherever you listen to podcasts. You should, like, follow us on the gram at offthegrampodcast.com. Like, give us some stars or some feedback or some ratings or any of that stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.